forth thy praise. God, make speed to save us, O Lord. Make haste to help us. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Psalm 146. Alleluia. My soul, praise the Lord. I will praise the Lord all my life. I will sing to my God as long as I live. Do not trust in nobles, in a son of man who cannot save. When his breath leaves him, he returns to the ground. On that day, his plans die. Happy is the one whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. He remains faithful forever, executing justice for the exploited and giving food to the hungry. The Lord frees prisoners. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord raises up those who are oppressed. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord protects resident aliens and helps the fatherless and the widow. But he frustrates the ways of the wicked. The Lord reigns forever. Zion, your God, reigns for all generations. Alleluia. A reading from Isaiah chapter 35, beginning at the third verse. Strengthen the weak hands, steady the shaking knees. Say to the cowardly, be strong, do not fear. Here is your God. Vengeance is coming. God's retribution is coming. He will save you. And the eyes of the blind will be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame will leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute will sing for joy. For water will gush in the wilderness, and streams in the desert. The parched ground will become a pool, and the thirsty land springs, and the haunt of jackals in their lairs. There will be grass, reeds, and papyrus. A road will be there, and a way. It will be called the holy way. The unclean will not travel on it, but it will be for the one who walks the path. Fools will not wander in it. There will be no lion there, and no vicious beast will go upon it. They will not be found there, but the redeemed will walk on it. And the redeemed of the Lord will return and come to Zion with singing, crowned with unending joy. Joy and gladness will overtake them, and sorrow and sighing will flee. This is the word of the Lord. A reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. If I speak human or angelic tongues but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so that I can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give away all my possessions and if I give over my body in order to boast but do not have love, I have nothing. Love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy, is not boastful, is not arrogant, is not rude, is not self-seeking, is not irritable, does not keep a record of wrongs. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. But as for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will come to an end. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, 
I put aside childish things. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully as I am fully known. Now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. This is the word of the Lord. Holy Gospel according to Luke, beginning at uh, the 18th chapter, the 31st verse. Then he took the twelve aside and told them, See, we are going up to Jerusalem. Everything that is written through the prophets about the Son of Man will be accomplished, for he will be handed over to the Gentiles, and he will be mocked, insulted, spit on, and after they flog him, they will kill him, and he will rise on the third day. They understood none of these things. The meaning of the saying was hidden from them, and they did not grasp what was said. As he approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the road begging. Hearing a crowd passing by, he inquired what was happening. Jesus of Nazareth is passing by, they told him. So he called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then those in front told him to keep quiet, but he kept crying out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and commanded that he be brought to him. When he came closer, he asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, he said, I want to see. Receive your sight. Jesus told him, your faith has saved you. Instantly he could see and he began to follow him, glorifying God. All the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Well, happy Quinquagesima week as we're heading into our last Sunday before Lent starts. Can you believe that? Lent will be starting in just a little bit over a week with Ash Wednesday, a time in which we are reminded that we are dust, and to dust we shall return, that we are uh, mortal, that we are, are, are finite, that we are not the cat's pajamas, right? And the wonderful thing, what I love about Jessamatide, uh, Septuagesima and Sexagesima and Quinquagesima, is first of all, we have this, this, this movement, just like we've talked about these last couple of weeks, of, of the importance or the understanding of the Protestant ideology around how we understand Christ, how we understand the scriptures, how we understand God, uh, where with, with uh, Septuagesima, we get grace alone, right? Where it has nothing to do with what we have done, just like we're told in, in Titus 3.5, not because of righteous things that we have done, but because of his mercy he saved us, is what we're told. And so we see in the parable of the vineyard workers, how the people who uh, no one wanted to be their workers, you know, we're talking about the ones with missing limbs and maybe half blind, too old, too young, too slow, too weak, were the ones that this vineyard owner still picked, even with an hour left of the day and gave the full wage to, right? Talking about how there's nothing about us that makes us worthy of the kingdom. There's nothing about us that makes us worthy of the gospel. The gospel comes and gives to us does not expect of us, but gives to us. And it's God doing that work. And then this last week with Sexagesima, we, we got the, the understanding of scripture alone, or word alone, how, it, how God's working comes through his word being sown. And he's a horrible farmer in which he just throws things everywhere. And his goal is to have his word go out. And that's, yes, there are, at many times we are gonna be the different soils. In, in which things are going to get in the way of us hearing that word. 
right? Well, this week we get faith alone. And we get it in the picture of two things. One, the faithlessness of the disciples, right? In which they do not understand a single thing that Jesus is talking about because they can't imagine that what he's telling them is true. Because he's the Messiah. He's supposed to show up triumphantly and take over the world. And no, he's saying, I'm going to go there. I'm going to be mistreated. I'm going to die. And then on the third day, I'm going to be raised. And they don't understand that. They, they don't want to understand that. And yet, that's what's going to happen. And it's this picture for us of the amount of times that for us, the word comes to us and speaks to us of what God has done and is going to do. And we don't want to trust it. We, we don't want to continue to think of him as trustworthy. We can't imagine that what he has to tell us could be true because we get so many other voices telling us different things. We, we become the, the seed that is uh, planted uh, in the thorns where the things grow up, the thorns grow up and choke us down, cause us to lose our faith. But then we're also handed it by the blind man, which is the story of the blind man here, of, of uh, Bartimaeus, as we're told, I believe, in Matthew. Um, here where he uh, just finds out this crowd is going by. He was probably begging, and this crowd is going by, and he wants to find out what's going on. And they say, well, it's Jesus of Nazareth. And he's going, I've heard of him. He heals people. He healed a blind man before. He could do that for me. And so he does the only thing he can do. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Notice he doesn't ask, please heal me. He doesn't say, uh, open my eyes. He doesn't say, take away my blindness. He just says, have mercy on me. And that's actually a word of faith for us, church. Where we're not telling God what we want him to do. All we're doing is asking God to do what he's going to do anyways, which is show mercy and compassion. And it's going to come to us in a particular way, and it might not come to us in the way that we want. But faith expresses itself in saying, have mercy on me, and understanding that whatever that mercy looks like is what is going to come to me. And so he says, have mercy on me. And he trusts that this Jesus is going to do what this Jesus is going to do. And then Jesus does what Jesus does, right? He, he says, you know, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to offer you mercy? And he says, please, let me see. Let me see you, maybe, even, Jesus. And Jesus says, okay. Well, your faith has, has, has saved you. Your trust in me has saved you. The fact that you trust me for who I am has saved you. And then it results in um, him glorifying God, the blind man, as well as the people around him praising God because of what Jesus has done. The purpose of the miracles, right? Turning us towards God. But it's this expression of faith for the blind man and going, just have mercy on me. And whatever comes will come. And that's a difficult thing for us, I think. It's a difficult thing for us to do, oftentimes, uh, because we want to either handle things on our own or we're really bad waiters, right? We, we get too worried about how things are going to be handled, and so we take care of it ourselves instead of trusting God. And I think that's one of the things that we have to do right now, church, is that we have to trust God in whatever it is that God is going to do. He's going to have mercy because that's who he is. He's going to open blind eyes because that's what he does. 
He's going to open closed ears because that's what he does. But we have to trust that he's going to do that. Right now, there's so much anxiety in the church everywhere around the world, especially in our own country, because we're seeing attendance numbers drop. We're seeing involvement drop. We're seeing volunteership drop. We're seeing pastors leaving congregations left, right, and center. I have so many friends who have left calls. It's, it's craziness. And part of that is COVID and burnout and frustration. Part of that is a changing culture. But for us, we have to understand that God is building his church. And it's a church that the gates of hell, the gates of Hades, the gates of death will not prevail against. And we have to trust him that he will do what he says he's going to do in building up his church. It may not look like the way that we expect it to. It may not look like the way that it did in the 60s and the 70s, maybe even in the 80s, maybe even 10 years ago. But it's still God's church and he is working at it. And that's what we're actually told in our uh, psalm, right? That we're not supposed to trust in human beings, but we trust in the Lord our God. Psalm 146. That's, right? That, that we're not supposed to trust in our own abilities, that we're supposed to trust in Him. That's a difficult thing sometimes. But we, we hold Him to it. And we trust that, like in our Isaiah reading, that He's going to strengthen the weak knees that he's going to make a way for us in the desert. That even in the desert of our trials right now, he's going to be with us to trust him in that. Maybe this Lent, as we start to head towards Lent, I hope you're thinking about how you're going to keep Lent this year. As we head towards Lent, uh, the hopes on my part <laughs> is that Lent becomes a time for you to really be brought back to the Lord in the way that you are meant to be in the way that you can be, the way that you can be strengthened in your faith to trust him in all things when you feel like the whole world is falling apart. That's the hope and the goal. Well, church, I pray that as we continue on through these weeks, months, years, decades together, that we continue to be that blind man, knowing that we can't see things clearly, like our First Corinthians reading tells us, that we always think it's about love and weddings and all that stuff. No, it's about us trusting God and knowing that instead of wanting to do things of our own power, we trust and we give ourselves away, knowing that he is a God of mercy. And so we want to become merciful people. That's that call for love, to trust him that even uh, when we don't get our way, but we give up of ourselves. God is still going to work his work. That we don't see things clearly right now, but one day soon we will, knowing that God has been working since the very beginning. And that's, let's allow ourselves as we go into Lent, maybe, to have our trust in God increased. Not that we do amazing things for him over these next few weeks, but we allow his word and his work to be done in us, that we might trust him in all things, knowing that he will care for us wherever we may go. Let us pray. O Lord, we beseech thee mercifully hear our prayers. And having set us free from the bonds of sin, defend us from all evil. Through thy Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with thee in the Holy Spirit, one God, world without end. Amen. Well, church, go in peace.
serve the Lord, and we will see you next week.